Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my work at joehaggerty.substack.com. Uh, just sign up for a premium membership. You'll get all Bruins and NHL content sent directly to your inbox. I also uh, write post-game columns for the Boston Sports Journal with Greg Bedard, Mike Giardi, a cast of thousands over there, some very talented people, so go check that out as well. Uh, this week's episode, the 48th episode, I believe, uh, of the Pucks with Hags podcast, we have the Boston Herald's uh, Steve Conroy, and we have our good buddy Mick Collagio, uh, who is writing for several places, and there are several places you can find his work. Mick, plug away, please. Okay, rankwrapmc.com is my blog. I link to it on X Twitter and Facebook, and I'm helping out Murph with the Boston uh, HockeyNow.com site, um, which is part of the National Hockey Now Empire, and uh, also contribute to the hockey news. That's the biggest things. Very good, Mick. Um, let's also thank our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, with uh, NFL, NBA, NF, NHL all going on right now. Uh, great time to get involved. Download the app. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. Kick off uh, the NHL, NFL, and NBA seasons with the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Network, FanDuel Sportsbook. And we also have always, as always, got to thank Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Delicious, healthy meals ready in two minutes. Uh, go to factormeals.com slash and use, excuse me, head to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off your first box. All right. Um, obviously, the Bruins snapped their three-game losing streak last night. Three to nothing win over the San Jose Sharks. Steve, I will ask you right out of the box, did you see enough last night? Um, because, it, you know, Jerry Swayman, 28-save shutout, pretty decent defensive effort. They op- got the opportunistic scoring. Uh, they played hard. It was a physical affair. Did you see enough uh, in last night's game, basically from the second period on, to think that they are kind of out of their recent struggles and does it make you rethink what we saw in the last three games as far as like the schedule kept not catching up to them other things happening uh when you view that three game losing spell uh i would say it was a good first step towards getting back to their game um you got to consider the opponent yep. actually been playing better lately but you know they've, they've got wins over vancouver and washington but still, they're not a great team. You know, they're the five on three. 
the Bruins did a great job. You know, they they jumped in front of a bunch of shots, but the Sharks, you know, shot themselves in the foot several times on that that five on three as well. Um, so it's like I said, it's a good first step. They were slow out of the gate again. You know, if they had given up the first goal, it would have been <laughs> my. You would have heard those those grumbles in the garden. You know. And it would, might not have been pretty, but, you know, they shook it off. Uh, yeah, I thought they got better as the first period went on. They started to show some signs. And then the the uh, second period, from the second period on, they were obviously the better team. And I like that that Potra line with Marshan and and, and Einan. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I came out of uh, that three-game losing streak and watching that game in Columbus at the end of that game was they needed to change the forward lines up and change the combinations. That was yeah. – uh, high on the importance list Jim Montgomery obviously did that and I, I agree uh, I think I think Patra uh, with Heinen with Marchand uh, allowed Jim Montgomery to do a few things one of which was make sure that James Van Riemsdyk Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick stay together too which I think is something they need to stick with because it works and I think it's something that Montgomery can rely on uh, as a forward line uh, but you're right I, I think uh, changing things up uh, worked as far as the forwards go. I you definitely have to take into account that San Jose is not really an NHL roster when you look at them, and they have a hard time, uh, you know, finishing off plays, being dangerous even in a five-on-three. Like credit the Bruins for killing that off, but you didn't really feel like San Jose was going to score on that five-on-three either. Just uh, watching the game play out, um, Mick. Things that you liked out of last night's game, and how much you take out of that as something more than uh, I think what they were. Uh, 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 calling it on NHL Network before the game last night was like a, a feel-right kind of game or a, a, a get-back kind of game, basically like that San Jose Sharks were a slump buster uh, for the Bruins and were the perfect opponent at the perfect time to get them feeling better about their game. Yeah, they they were, but not in the sense that I think that uh, some people thought, okay, good, they you know the Bruins have been knocked on their butt a few times here. They need to fight a tomato can. I don't think they were a tomato can. I also agree that they were not really a, a, an NHL viable team at this point, but, but I thought it was actually helpful to the Bruins that they're playing a lot better now because the Bruins needed to have an opponent that would structure with effort, with intensity. And that's actually what we saw. David Quinn has kind of got that team going the right way now. And they provided a credible uh, opponent that if the Bruins had played the game, the way they had the last three, they might've been embarrassed. And so it was a good game for them because everybody uh, checked harder, which was uh, a huge part of, you know, no matter what they would have done, it wouldn't have been enough if every player didn't ratchet it up, uh, the intensity, the effort, the consistency, the, the hardness on the puck, the sturdiness on your own stick and skates, and then the battle. Everybody, I thought, to a man was better, and they needed to be, and that was the biggest thing. Had they lost the game... I would have been a lot closer to okay with it than if it was a crazy game that they wound up winning. So uh, as it, you know, and if you look at the ice time uh, from last night's sheet, uh, it really reflects uh, something a lot closer to what you would have thought would have been the blueprint to the season. It's almost as if the coaches meeting, they said, Hey, let's, let's fill these guys out the exact number of shifts that we envision them playing on average throughout the season and see what, everybody does and 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 asking them just to do your job and do it better do it harder and 
and uh, obviously having a practice day really, really helped them because that's exactly what we're looking at here. Yeah, and that was mentioned a lot over the last few days is just that they really basically hadn't practiced for 10 days that that was needed. And, you know, it's funny, you do discount that sometimes, I guess, when you cover a team, how the importance of having practices in between the games to work on little things or just to stay sharp. Um, but it's a big deal to the coaches. It's a big deal to the players. And, you know, that it, it's something that's just part of their, um, you know, week to week sort of structure that they live in as, as NHL players. Um, I, I thought a big deal last night, and I wrote about this today, was Trent Frederick uh, fighting Giovanni Smith at the end of the second period, um, uh, making him answer for the boarding hit he threw on Marshand earlier in the second period. Uh, you know, you, 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 ne- you need to send a message if you're a hockey team that you can't mess with the captain. Uh, you can't mess with one of your best players. Uh, that was something that I thought was inconsistent during that three game spell as well, just sort of like, you know, really defending teammates as the energy was down. And as the the sort of like, I thought the schedule caught up to them a little bit and you saw physical and mental mistakes uh, in that three game stretch. Um, How nice was it Mick to see Frederick uh, play that role and how much is he going to have to play that role and be that guy uh, for this team with Lucic, you know, out of the mix now, like I look at him, he's got 32, pro fights he's fought legit nhl tough guys like you know marcus felino tom wilson you know guys like that he's really the only one i look at on this roster and say that's going to have to be the guy that's going to have to do that role until they get somebody else uh is he up for it do you think on a consistent basis i know at times Uh, in the past he has been and other times he hasn't been uh yep i think he is but i don't like the fact that he's that guy i don't want him to be that guy he says he said last night that oh, a lot of us in this room do it. No, they don't. No, he was being nice. He just was like Giovanni Smith was nice to him and surprising him with a series of left hands that he didn't know it was coming. He admitted that last night, said he was switching up on him. And then he, and then he said, it was nice that he got a second chance in the fight. And uh, you know, so, so uh, I thought that that was, uh, but it was class all around last night, Freddie. And he's been playing a really solid game for them. And, yep. and so uh, he has emerged as the player that they were hoping to be a third line center has now become a third line wing. And, uh, and he's quite serviceable in his role. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, three of his ilk on the Bruins, but somebody would else with more skill to be in the top six and play that role rather than just nibbling around the edges of this issue. It doesn't bode well for the Bruins. If Freddie's going to be the magnet here, he needs to be one of. All right, everybody, we're smack dab in the middle of the NFL season. You know what that means? That means more time for you to get involved with FanDuel Sportsbook. That's right. Uh, The NFL season is in full swing. Even the NHL season is in full swing as well. So you should be getting uh, your wallets out, and you should be getting involved with the excitement that is FanDuel Sportsbook. Score, Score early in this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS network right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks people. If your team wins. So if you have a good feeling and you know, um, let's say you you're betting uh, all your money on the team that's playing the Patriots. Cause you think the other team's going to win and the Patriots are going to lose. That's been a smart bet all season. You do that. 
you get 150 bucks from uh, from FanDuel Sportsbook. How do you like that? If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in the action than right now. The app is extremely easy to use. It's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. The app is great. Uh, it's, it's very easy to use. Um, so visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season and do it right right now with FanDuel Sportsbook because they got your back and they're going to give you 150 bucks in bonus bets if you win that $5 bet. Mass 21 and plus present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1 800 327 5050 for 24/7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1 800 GAM 1234. Steve, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, I, I like the fact that Freddie fought, um, but I also like the immediate pushback when the, yeah. the hit happened you see heinen jump in there and heinen is not that guy he's not gonna drop the gloves you know on any occasion but he you know he did what he had to do there and then forbid came in all the top rope i, I mean forbid's a willing guy but that's not his you know forte either um they're, they're light in that department there's, there's no question about it and we've seen teams take runs at them in the past four or five games it's it, it is a concern yeah, and, and I thought it was interesting uh, last night too, um, and and a couple days leading into the game, uh, that Swayman he went uh, Jim Montgomery went right back to Jeremy Swayman after pulling him uh, after giving up the second goal against Columbus. Uh, obviously, there was a quick discussion after that happened. Uh, there had to be you know some kind of an, a meeting uh, the next day uh, just for the two to discuss things and discuss what happened. Uh, it, and I thought it was, you know, there's been a couple times this year where they've gone with Swayman, where I think in years past they might not have, and they're certainly not protecting him anymore. And he's uh, he's showing more and more that they're willing to put him in big spots. I just thought the fact that he played that game in Columbus when they were riding a two-game losing streak was a big spot for him to be in. And then for them to go back to him when it turned into three in a row um, against San Jose, granted it was against San Jose, but I still think that was – another big spot for him. And it uh, highlights for me the different sort of viewpoint they're looking at him in this year as a goalie that's earning more and more time and they're given more and more rope to and more responsibility to see if he can handle it. Uh, just your thoughts, Steve, on that whole situation from, you know, being yanked in Columbus to, uh, you know, having a quick meeting with Montgomery the next day to, you know, going right back to him in San Jose and the way he played obviously with a, a team playing good defense in front of him last night, 28 save shutout. Yeah. I, when he pulled, when Montgomery pulled him, I think it was pretty obvious to everyone why he was doing it, except, except for Swayman who's in, right. the, in the moment as a competitor and right. he doesn't want to come out. Yeah, that's all understandable. I thought it was a little aggressive, but you know, he, he, he went with his gut and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, of Montgomery, you know, smoothing over whatever might have been, you know, ruffled in that situation. Um, and it 
worked out, you know, and, you know, we've got a shout out. Um, you know, he's a good goalie. I, I, I don't see anybody getting, you know, three or four starts in a row right now. Um, they're both playing pretty well. You know, you know, all mark in New York, maybe there were a couple there that you would have liked to save on, but nothing egregious. The only goal this year that I, I can, think of that was really a bad goal was the one in Columbus, the first goal that Swayman yeah. gave up. Um so I, I see it I see it being, you know, you know, all an alternating situation, you know, for the foreseeable future. It's to your point, Steve, is it hasn't it been interesting how aggressive uh Montgomery has been this year. And I've remarked on this a couple of times that just yeah. like there are several things we've seen. And a lot of it when you know they were like 14, you know, 13, one and two or whatever. Like they'd won lost game well, lost one game in regulation when that bag skate happened. Um calling the timeout and kind of ripping the team in New York and challenging them, uh pulling Swayman in, in Columbus. It really feels to me, it's interesting to me that they're in first place, they're winning the majority of their games, and Jim Montgomery is cracking the whip way harder this year on that team than he did last year and and aggressively coaching uh, at times and sort of pulling out of the bag of tricks and, and a lot of them, using a lot of them now in the first few months of the season, uh, you know, before they're really into the dog days yet. Yeah, I mean, he sees what we all see. They're giving up two on one, three on twos, at, you know, at a, an alarming rate. Um, that you know, he said the other day, we know we're not, we weren't a fourteen one and two yeah. team. You know, and he wasn't, he wasn't. I didn't look at that as any kind of motivational tool or anything that he was trying. Yeah. He was just being stating a matter of fact. They aren't as good as their record is right now. Um, yeah. Uh, they he has to do what he's been doing. I think you know they. I don't know the the fact that you know the this you know the the poor rush defense has not been really you know um, corrected yet is a little calm. So, um, you know you lost Grizzlick for a month and he's just now getting back in. And he's not quite at his game yet. That's yep. part of it. Um, and they haven't really figured out what their best third pairing is, whether it's with Mitchell or or Shattenkirk. Um, so they're still, you know, very much a work in progress, which is what we thought they'd be at the start of the season. Yeah, and and it goes beyond, you know, the the peripheries of the back end too, though. Like, let's be honest, Charlie McAvoy was a dash six straight games going into last night. That was his first, and and we all you know take plus minus and put it into yeah. sort of its proper context. But like he was a minus player for six games in a row, and he was like, you know, minus five I think in uh, the losses to New York and in uh, Columbus I think it was, or maybe Detroit before that I can't remember. But he he was not playing well. Um, and Hampus Lindholm has been you know up and down and and not quite as good as he's been last. Nobody year. pays attention. pays attention to plus minus more than players do <laughs> yeah exactly especially defensemen um yeah. so like i you know i i think there's definitely been areas to look at of struggle and and places where uh they can improve but i i just wonder watching the the whip get cracked like it is especially with the record the way it is even if they are you know there are mistakes that are being made and there are things that you look at and flaws uh, to this team that can be corrected. I just wonder 
if the change in tone and tenor with the way he's coaching and the aggressiveness that he's coaching within the fact that he seems to sometimes be bringing the attitude that maybe he feels like he's not seeing from the players in aggressively delivering the message, um, you know, whether how sustainable that is for an entire season. You know, I thought it was interesting last night that Montgomery, when somebody asked him like what he said to the team between the first and the second period, and he basically was like, I didn't say much of anything. I, it was the players, you know, deciding that it wasn't good enough and and discussing it and, you know, really uh, sort of making the change or coming out in the second period with a, a better brand of hockey. And uh, that to me is, is a good sign that that is starting to happen instead of him having to bring the attitude and bring the aggressiveness and bring everything else as the coach, instead of the players bringing it, Mick sort of uh, your thoughts on all of this and, and just the, the aggressive way that um, Montgomery has coached this year in, in a clear change from last year when Patrice Bergeron was a captain. Right. You had more of that intrinsic ability to steady the ship. Uh, it's kind of like a Bergeron and Krejci were kind of like tea bags in the, in the, in the water. And it's been free flowing and able to go all over the place and fly over the rim uh, without them there. And, and I think that uh, when you have a team that plays a possession game and wants a four man attack, wants to involve the D man in the offense uh, anytime possible, I think those teams are susceptible to scenarios where you lose the discombobulation, you get the, the the transition to defense on the counterattack if something goes wrong yep. uh, is not is a very difficult thing uh, to to master and snuff out when it happens to you because you don't plan on turnovers. So what do you do about them? And and uh, and so you want to think on your front foot. You want to play confidently. Uh, and I and I think that when you were winning, when you should be winning, because your great goaltending was masking a lot of those flaws. Yep. It got exaggerated and it got to a point that Wiley Coyote was 500 feet off the cliff and finally looked down. And, and so uh, what we got here is a team that's trying to recapture structure and it doesn't come as naturally without Bergeron and Krejci down the middle uh, 40 minutes a game to steady that ship internally. Um, the other thing I just say <clears throat> in regards to the goaltending is last year, they all said, players coaches like we believe in both our goalies this year they're acting like it they're actually yeah. playing like it they're actually coaching like it uh they do believe in them both of them equally and that's where we are in the season right now um <clears throat> the other thing is is the i think the other thing with this year is a lot of teams went to school on the florida panthers playoff series against the bruins and they all rim the puck hard when they get it in the boston zone because as Shattenkirk said before the season, it's hard for us to get into our system, which is the short pass puck support game, when we have to go outside of it in order to recover the puck if they're rimming it hard around the boards. So we're in that caught in the middle there. Like, do we leave our structure or do we let them just keep doing this until uh, we get flat-footed enough for them to make a play and get a good shot? So uh, the system itself is challenged a little bit in that regard. I'd be interested to hear Montgomery talk about this at some point. And, 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 you know, what, what is our team defense when the pucks in our zone and, and teams are trying to do what Florida did last year. So, well, uh, not everybody does it as well as they did, but they're all trying to do it now. So it's harder for the Bruins to get the puck back when it's in their end than it was last year at this time, for sure. 
Yeah, and, and it's a great point you make, Mick, about um, just the style that they make and the aggressiveness they want to play with and uh, the defenseman joining the rush. Um, sort of, you know, the, just the general style that they play and the high-risk style that they want to play offensively, kind of playing into the odd man rushes and the counterattack uh, chances that they give other teams. And this, is, this was my wonder at the beginning of the year is – how are they going to be able to operate as a hockey team that's going to be based way more on defense and goaltending than last year when they want to play a very aggressive, uh, you know, five man attack, getting the defenseman up like that kind of style. I just feel like them wanting to play that way, especially if they don't have the offensive firepower that they have and they're relying much more on defense and goaltending that that's just going to be part of the system that Montgomery wants to play. And that's part of the, the price that they're going to have to pay to do business with the way that they want to play. Yeah, um, yeah, giving up, you know, giving up odd ran rushes, giving up great chances. Like I, I think that's a byproduct as much of Montgomery's system and the way he wants to play as it is, you know, the, the mistakes that we're seeing um, on the ice. Um, all right. It, uh, we do still do not have a, a sponsor for the Twitter question of the week or X or whatever, Elon Musk uh, wants to say now he's ripping his sponsors that are pulling out of X, uh, whatever. Uh, but uh, here's the question from Ryan Smith, um, the real Ryan 16 on Twitter. Um, and we, we touched on this a little bit earlier. This is where the Bruins miss a physical presence like Lucic. Guys wouldn't be taking cheap shots if he was out there. Do the Bruins go out and trade for a tough guy to police things? Steve, do you think there is a possibility of them trying to find somebody else like Milan Lucic if he's not going to come back um, just based on the makeup of the team and that, you know, they built the team at the beginning of this year, assuming they were going to have somebody like that as a presence uh, on the fourth line. And so if you do not have that kind of a presence, you're clearly missing something on your roster that you need. And, and thereby, if you do bring in somebody like that, it's not going to fall on Trent Frederick's shoulders all the time to be that guy if he's kind of miscasting that role at times. Do you think there's a there's somebody out there they could get or there's a possibility of them trying to look for a player like that? Well, it's definitely an issue. Um, the problem is I don't think you can get a guy just to be an enforcer type anymore. You, right. have, you have to get a guy who can play and yep. a guy who can, you know, drop the mitts if he has to. And those guys are hard to find. You know, you look at what, what happened with Toronto and Ryan Reeves. He was like minus nine in the first 11 games. They had to sit him. You know, he, he's, he's just not the player he once was. Um, it, it's a, would I love to like to see them go out and get somebody, somebody like that? Sure. But, but does he exist? I'm not sure who you'd be going after. Yeah. And uh, I mean, my feeling has been for a long time that, rather than chase after, you know, the hired gun kind of guy like that, you have to develop your own player like that. You have to put some kind of a premium on drafting a player that can play, but also is, you know, known uh, for his toughness and known for his intimidation factor and, you know, all that different stuff. And, you know, granted that's becoming a more difficult player to find too, as you know, all these junior leagues are scaling back on, you know, letting players play that way and those style of players as well. And, you know, we're already seeing leagues, some leagues, you know, trying to outlaw fighting altogether. So, you know, that becomes a, a more difficult proposition to find a younger player that you can invest in and develop like that as well. In addition to, you know, the guys that might be out there, Mick, do you think there's any possibility of, um, 
bringing in somebody like that or them seeking out somebody like that uh, to to take some of the burden off Frederick that now is going to fall on him to defend uh, Marshan, Pasternak, all these guys that are going to get targeted clearly as they've been in the past uh, when teams are trying to rough up the Bruins and slow them down. Well, first off, uh, Lucic was sort of uh, a perfect uh, solution to Felino, uh, yep. Felino. And so from a leadership standpoint, guy in the room, young team, more opportunity for prospects. Uh, they wanted a guy like him around, and um, and it was great in theory. And, uh, and it was opportunistic in theory. The one that intrigues me right now is how Garnet Hathaway – is playing in Philadelphia and making the highlight reel. What's the latest one on on the you know, the click clickbait of him hitting um, uh, Luke Hughes? He just wrecks yeah. him on a nicing chase. On an and, icing, yeah. and before that, uh, there was a there was a situation where he, he pummeled somebody. Um, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, now what was Hathaway for the Bruins? Uh, he was a bit muted, I thought, yes. in his role. Yes. And so some of this, I think, is internal. Some of this, I think, is philosophical with the Bruins. Some of it, I think, is that they don't want a team that's prone to mayhem. And I think that uh, it's almost like we, we're we going to be more like the Avalanche. We're going to be a team that, that doesn't gravitate toward that or that's not going to be part of how we win. It's going to be things that happen along the way that are necessary and need to be dealt with, and we just need to be – uh, tough enough to make sure we're equipped to deal with it and lay it aside. So they have a few role players. I don't think that's sufficient in the playoffs. No. Uh, and I think that that's a philosophical issue with this management that bugs me. And, well, I, uh, and I agree. Forward. And I, I would take it one step further, Mick. Uh, I would say if you're going to be one of the most penalized team in teams in the league, as the Boston Bruins are, you might as well cause a little mayhem on the ice uh, every once in a while and, and, you know, take the fight to other teams and be that style team. If you're already going to be in the box anyway, you know, we're talking about a team that's in the top five in the NHL and minors taken in power plays awarded to other teams. They're in the top 10, as far as like penalty minutes goes. Uh, and they were like this last year too. Like when you look at it from a discipline perspective as far as the amount of penalties that they're taking it's not really there like it should be um and if it's not going to be there and you're going to be in the box anyway you might as well get some bang for your buck and play that style a little bit more i i if it's an internal thing where they're telling players like garnet hathaway to not be garnet hathaway i have a real issue with that especially when they traded for those plays I, i'm i'm not sure it's that because i don't think you would even trade for a guy like garnet hathaway if your philosophy was to trade for him, bring him in and say, hey, we don't want you to play the way you've played your entire NHL career. I just thought he just did not show up in the playoffs. I did not notice him at all. Um, and he certainly didn't play the style that he's known for. Uh, but I wonder, you know, if that had something to do with him being an upcoming free agent, like what was going on there in his mind? Or maybe he was just tentative coming into a team of established players uh, you know, in Boston. He's also uh, over 30 and maybe he was a little banged up. I'll be fair yeah. to him too. Uh, and, and I don't mean to draw that stark a contrast as much as to say, wow, I don't remember all this, you know, and right now the Bruins could use all that in a bag of chips. And and I also think that Brad Marchand is prone to most of his uh, worst, worst decisions when the Bruins are getting beat up. And I feel like he gets frustrated yeah. with that and he responds to it in ways that don't help himself or the team. So I think that, the, you know, when you got a guy who's 30 five years old or about to be and 
And, and at this point in his career, when it's really great that he's recovered from his double labrum and he's playing the way he always once did, he's back yeah. to beating that guy. Um, let's let him play hockey and let's get other guys in here that can, that can uh, younger lions. Uh, if you're Tom Wilson, isn't available, maybe a Vander Kane uh, would become available if you were willing to pay the price. You know, wow. I mean, you know that I know that another Kane was written about before he signed with Detroit. Uh, and I was in my, I, I answered on X, not the right Kane. So, so I know which Kane that the Brewers need to be thinking about in philosophy. If not the player himself, then, then definitely in philosophy. This has got to get into the top six. The culture needs to get a little infusion here, in my opinion. Yeah. And I agree. They need more physicality. They need a, a big, nasty, mean sort of forward player uh, to add to the mix. And I think we also, just came up with our, our uh, title for this week's podcast. Uh, Evander Kane to the Bruins? Question mark. Stir the pot on that one, Mick. That'll get very everybody believe. worked up. All right. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for being on this week's episode. Uh, Boston Herald, Steve Conroy, uh, my good buddy Mick and colleague Mick Collagio. Thank you very much, boys. Uh, let's also thank our sponsors, uh, Mer- Factor Meals, America's ne- ready, uh, number one ready-to-eat meal kit, meals ready in two minutes. Looking for calorie-conscious options? Try delicious, dietitian-approved, calorie-smart meals with Factor Meals. Go to factormeals.com slash HAGS50 and use code HAGS50 to get 50% off. And then we also have FanDuel Sportsbook, of course. Uh, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Download the app right now. Join FanDuel. Get going on the action. It's 150 bucks if your team wins. FanDuel.com slash Boston uh, and kick off the NHL season. Steve Conroy, Mick Collagio, thank you very much for joining me. Everybody else, thank thank you. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you at the rink.